Good evening, everyone. It's nice to see all of you here tonight. Welcome to Grace Church on a Wednesday night. We're glad that you could join us tonight for midweek Bible study. For those of you that are with us via live stream and Facebook Live, welcome. We're glad that you could be with us tonight as well. I want to give you just a few announcements uh, this evening before Pastor comes. First of all, uh, ladies, please remember March 4th through March 6th is Women's Conference at the campgrounds in Tioga. And also we want to remind you that this coming Sunday, our Sunday school classes will resume. Very excited about that. So 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And uh, for those of you that are taking part in pages, we will be meeting in the A Center on Sunday morning, and we'll see you at 10. And then finally, Sunday, March 14th, will be a baby dedication Sunday for us. So if you uh, would like to have your baby dedicated, please get your information into the church office very quickly so that we can accommodate you. Just want to leave you with a couple of things before Pastor comes this evening. Words engraved on a tombstone in England says, remember, man, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you shall be. Remember this and follow me. To which some mischievous person attached this note. To follow you, I'll not consent until I know which way you went. As wise but I really like the way Ben Franklin said, now I don't know if this actually wound up on Ben Franklin's tombstone or not, but at one point in time, this is what he said he wanted on his tombstone. It says this, the body of B. Franklin printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding lies here, food for worms. But the work shall not be wholly lost for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. Folks, you are not a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body. You have on this corruptible skin suit that one day is going to breathe its last and you are going to step into a very different reality, the true reality. We need to keep these things in mind. It will help us focus on our priorities. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. God bless you this evening as Pastor comes. Great to see everybody tonight. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. And uh, great to see you. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, had a great time this past Sunday morning. Thankful for such a demonstration and, and uh, manifestation of the presence of the Lord, and uh, we heard from God this past Sunday, and it comforts my heart uh, to know that God is still speaking to his people, because I believe God does that, because he believes that people will listen when he speaks to them. I want to jump right into the word of the Lord tonight. Um, 
Last Wednesday night, I started a Bible study, did not finish it. We'll finish it tonight on vision, titling it Vision, Eyes Wide Open. So tonight would be part two. Um, we read a scripture, several scriptures, uh, one in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. And then in 2 Kings, we rehearsed the story of Elisha when uh, he was surrounded by the enemy and his servant was panicking over that. And he said, Lord, open the eyes of the young man. And the Bible said that he saw. And so last Wednesday night, I talked to you a little bit about that story and then got into our Bible study. And I asked the question, what is vision? And gave you several people's opinion and ideas about what vision is. And then we began to define the concept of vision. I gave you several things to think about along that line. But the bottom line conclusion that I've come to, and it's the best definition of vision, when you say you have vision, when you have a vision for your life, pastor has a vision for the church. Vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding. It's based upon an accurate understanding of God, yourself, and your circumstances. I'm going to talk a little bit I'm going to jump into that a little bit more tonight uh, to finish up this lesson. And, uh, but let me take a few moments to rehearse the, the meat, the core, uh, the centerpiece of what we talked about uh, last Wednesday night. First of all, if you consider the components of this definition of vision, it begins with a clear mental image. And we spent a little bit of time uh, last Wednesday night on this point. But vision is a picture held in your mind's eye of the way things could or should be in the days ahead. And so when you have that clear mental image of what you want to be in God, even what you'd like for your marriage to be, your home to be, what you'd like for your children to grow up to become, everything you do leads you to the fulfillment of that mental image. It's tragic, and I believe this is one, at least one uh, thing the wise man was talking about when he said there is no vision, is when people have no plans. They have no foresight for the future. They just take a shot at something every day, and, and, and usually their lives end up a mess. If you want your marriage to be better, for example... If you know what you would like out of your marriage and what your spouse would like out of your marriage, and if you, would, if you know what you would not like to have out of your marriage and your spouse knows what they would not like to have out of, them, out of the marriage, okay, you talk about those things and then so you spend the rest of your days together building towards that mental image of what you would like for marriage to be. You can do the same thing on your job. And certainly we try our best to do this at church. Pastor has a, a clear mental image of what I'd like for this church to be and what I'd like for it to become. A lot of that vision has come to pass in substance. Now we just need all the people 
to fill in all the blanks. But you have to have, it's necessary if you're going to be a visionary person, to have a clear mental image. I encourage our junior high, uh, middle school age students to do that, our high school age students to do that, and even our college age uh, students to do that. It is necessary, it's imperative that you get some idea of where you would like life to take you, and it certainly it needs to be the will of God. So after a clear mental image, you need to understand what a preferable future is. Preferable future means it incorporates change. You, you can't stay the same as you are and be a visionary at the same time. Just the, the, the simple definition of vision is changing where you are and who you are into something better and something more preferable. So vision is never about maintaining the status quo. It's not. If you're maintaining status quo, then you're not a visionary. Vision is about stretching reality to extend beyond its existing state. So vision is required even when the church is in a good position. Vision is not just for churches that are struggling with their present state. As a matter of fact, it's been my experience, once you engage vision and everybody catches on and it starts working, it's one thing to get it. It's another thing to maintain it. And so when you get on a path of vision, then it takes continual, I'm going to use the word maintenance, but more uh, specifically, it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of accountability. It's important that you do that if you're going to be a visionary person. The third thing we talked about last Wednesday night was a future focus. It's thinking ahead. Vision concentrates on the future. It focuses on thinking ahead rather than on dwelling upon or seeking to replicate the past. We mentioned last Wednesday night there's people that still bemoan the current state of the church yearning for a return to the glory days of the past. It's not going to happen. Those that have tried have struggled and a lot of them doesn't even exist anymore. We have to move on to the things that God wants us to have and to be what God wants us to be. The fourth thing we talked about last Wednesday night was any vision you want to bring into your life, things you want to start building towards, changes you want to make in your life to be a better person, to make your circumstances better and so on, it has to come from God. I, I do not recommend secular vision. I do not recommend some kind of psychological vision and to think yourself happy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a plan, a structured plan this is what we're going to do. We're going to start at point A, and by the time we're done, we're going to end up at point B, wherever that is. It has to be imparted by God. In other words, if you're going to really accomplish your vision and to see it fulfilled, you have to be empowered by God to do it. And I believe that's another area where churches need to really pay attention to vision, vision ideas they launch in their church. Is it a man-made thing or is it a God-made thing? I know the vision that we've embraced here at Grace Church. Uh, we prayed a long time about that. Uh, we spent months and months before we engaged that here at Grace Church. We got a whole lot of other people involved before we ever went public with it at Grace Church. And we believe that it was God's direction for our church, and we still believe that tonight. So our Bible study tonight, and, and may not be quite as long as it was last Wednesday night, we'll see. But if you want to be a visionary person for your life, I know it, here at Grace Church, 
This is what we do. And I hope the next couple of statements I'm about to make will resonate with a lot of you folks, especially our leadership people. But when you want to approach vision, when you want to engage vision for your life, when you want things to be better, when you want to be the best you can be, whether it's ministry, a teacher, a leader, uh, again, on your job, in your marriage, with your kids, whatever you want it to be, it has to be imparted by God, and we just talked about that. But here's where vision really starts coming together, I believe. This is where vision starts making sense. This is where you can grab a hold of what you believe God is leading you to do and start applying it and implementing it in your life. It's when you understand the requirements. And there's lots of preachers, lots of pastors, lots of church leaders that said, by God, we're going to pray and fast this coming week and we're going to have 10,000 people here next Sunday. Well, I, that could happen. But chances are, it's not. I've told you all over and over, I'm not a pie-in-the-sky preacher. And maybe I'm a little bit too realistic and need a little more faith. I don't know. But vision reflects a realistic perspective. For somebody to graduate from college and say, okay, I'm going to get married. In my first year of marriage, I'm going to make a million dollars, and I'm going to own the company, and I'm going to have this big corporation. As a matter of fact, I'm going to open a whole other plant in Baton Rouge about like Exxon. You might want to reel that in a little bit. Are y'all following me here tonight? Am I making sense to anybody? Vision reflects a realistic perspective. Vision is not dreaming the impossible dream but dreaming the most possible dream. Vision is not dreaming the impossible dream, but dreaming the most possible dream. Vision stretches our abilities, including our ability to dream, but it is not pie-in-the-sky daydreaming. Vision entails a great depth of understanding, a detailed knowledge of facts and potential, it is not a wild-eyed scheme born in a vacuum. Rather, it is a notion of what could occur and is deeply rooted in reality. So, with that understanding in mind, I hope everybody understands it. Again, this applies to virtually every facet of our life, both, both domestic and spiritual. If you've been burned, if you've been hurt, if you have health issues, all of that. You need to understand the requirements of becoming a visionary. Nothing should be an excuse not to be a visionary, but there should be a path that you can take that will lead you to that point. And again, it takes accountability and discipline. I want to tell you, last year was beyond any year I've ever pastored the most challenging year of my entire ministry. I say year from March till pretty much where we are now. But even, I think in January, we started getting our feet back underneath us as a church. So let's say the past, the, those nine months of, of 2021, or 2020, was the most challenging. Uh, we didn't know what to do. Uh, I felt like I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, there's maybe some things we could go back and do over. Uh, we tried to be as aggressive as possible uh, because I did not want 
our church vision to die, especially at the hands of COVID. So what I had to keep reminding myself of virtually every day of March through December of last year was to keep our church vision front and center, but I had to understand the requirements. I had to understand what we had to deal with. I had to take into account what we were working with. And I feel like we're coming out of all of that. Our vision is still intact. We're still moving forward. We didn't lose our vision over all of that. So I'm saying to all of us here tonight, if you're having marital issues, if you're having problems with your kids, whatever it may be, you can still keep focus on your vision and what you want to become, the direction you want your family to go. We're doing it with Grace Church. But you can understand, you have to understand what you're dealing with at the moment. And because it may be negative in your life right now, and there may be some challenging things in your life right now, doesn't mean you have to take your, your dreams, your ideas, uh, all of that, and just throw it away and say, it's just no use, I'm giving up. Please don't do that. If God has imparted unto you a pathway that's going to make your life summarily better, don't let any circumstances get in the way of it. And part of our definition of vision is to understand the realities that are going on in your life right now. So understanding the requirements, number one. And understanding the requirements, number one, is comprehending God. In the definition of vision, God is listed first among the sources of insight and among those realities, we must seek to fully comprehend His will and His purpose. If you're going into vision for your life and you're fuzzy on who God is and you're fuzzy about your faith and you're fuzzy on what the Bible says, you're going to have a hard time comprehending God because things are going to blindside you from one side to another. This is why I, I made such an effort uh, March through December of last year to keep encouraging people. Don't, don't let this... Just overtake you. Don't, don't let the COVID thing overtake you. Don't let it destroy your faith. Don't let it destroy your confidence. Don't let it destroy your, your, what you see in God. Keep what you understand and what you comprehend about God. Keep that. You must keep that in focus. I'm pouring my heart out here tonight. I'm trying to help some people. Every little thing that comes along in marriage, all of a sudden you want to divorce. Everything that comes along with your kids, you want to put them up for adoption. Saying that in jest, but you don't say it, but you think it. <laughs> you have to understand and, and read, read your Bible. Read about the characters of the Bible. Read what these people went through. Read what they endured. Read what they experienced. None of them had a cakewalk in their lifetime on this planet. Nobody did. And those that kept a God focus, they, they kept their revelation of God intact. They kept their understanding of God intact. They kept their faith in God intact. Even Simon Peter denying Jesus three times, he still showed up for that first meeting after Jesus resurrected. He didn't throw the towel in and quit. And by definition of probably most people that knew him, they probably would have understood if he did. Denied the Lord three times. Not once, three times. Jesus even said, I'm praying for you that your faith fell not. Peter had 
a comprehension of God. He had seen too much God manifest in front of his face just to turn around and walk away, even when it was the death of Jesus. We are striving to capture an understanding of his will for our church based on his perspective, not mine, not ours. I'm still striving to capture an understanding of his will for our church based on his perspective. His is first and foremost in the vision process. You listen to me tonight. If there's anything you're planning for your life and God ain't in it, you better run the opposite way 100 miles an hour. It's kind of like the guy that died, Jason was talking about. You better find out which way that guy went before you follow him. And the same is true with your life. You, you have to know that this is what God wants. He is first and foremost. Jesus even said that, seek first the kingdom. And God can impart and will impart a plan for your life. He will, give your, he will give your life purpose. He will give your life value. He will make you understand your reason for existing. You may not experience a fulfillment of it, but he'll let you see it. You remember what happened to Moses in the promised land? Anybody remember that story? Kept hearing promised land, promised land, promised land. There was a promise handed down from him, from, from, from Abraham all the way to Moses. And been years and years and years. God finally took him up on a mountain and let him see in it. He didn't get to the fulfillment of being there, but he saw it. And this is what I'm talking about here tonight. You can get a clear mental image, a picture in your head. This is what I believe the will of God is for my life, for my marriage, for my church, for my job, for everything. And you pursue that, keeping in mind that there's going to be realities that happen all around you that's going to try that and challenge that and try to take it away, but you still have to maintain that focus. And if you have a vision of who God is and you stay connected with the source of your vision, you'll get there. The second part of this is know thyself. Everybody say, know thyself. How many's had those Sunday morning altar experiences where you shout and dance and talk in tongues and you walk out of here saying, I can conquer the world. I can kill a lion like David did. I can kill a bear. I can kill a giant. I can be like Samson and I could, just, I could kill 3,000 people right now. And then you wake up Monday morning and feel much like Elijah sitting under the juniper tree feeling sorry for yourself and where in the world is God? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is where it's important that you know yourself. You have to understand what your personality is. You have to stand, understand what your weaknesses are. You have to understand what causes you to get into this downward spiral. It may be a momentary huge dislike for your spouse. Wish you idiot would get out of here and go on to work. Leave me alone. Anybody had those moments? I'm being real. I've heard more than one mama say when them kids finally leave for school, thank God they're out of the house for a while. Well, it's hard to be that real pumped, excited visionary when these things are going on at the moment. You have to know yourself. And just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean God is. So in developing vision, you must know your own abilities. 
I mean, part of my vision could, could be to stand up here next Sunday morning and announce to Casey that God has given me the voice of Frank Sinatra and I want to stand up and sing a solo in the praise team. Now, I can make that a part of my vision, but that ain't my ability. Does everybody hear me tonight? We've had people ask, can we be in the praise team? And we ask them, can you sing? And they say, no. Well, duh. You need some vision redirecting. I believe Casey calls it, we will, we know your heart, we love your heart, and so we'll introduce you to other church ministries where, you know, you could, you could have as much or more value. So you listen to pastor. If you want to be a visionary, you have to know your abilities. Y'all know me. I'm, I'm very transparent. I'm very honest, and people get sick, sick of hearing of it. I wish I had better personality. I wish I had this. wish I had that. wish I had this. wish I had that. But I have accepted that I am what I am. And so I take what ability I have, and I give all of it to God in hopes that he will steer my life and direct my life and so on. You have to know your abilities. You have to understand what your giftings are. I've heard it all of my life. You need to have a role model in your life. Anybody ever heard that before? You need to have a role model. You need to have a mentor in your life. What ends up happening most oftentimes, if you ever get one of those in your life, is that you end up, it, it kind of puts you in a place where you want to be like that person. That's not the point. You're not going to be any, like anybody but yourself. That's why God didn't make two of you. You need to understand your abilities. You need to understand your gifting. What gifts has God given you? And what is the most heartbreaking thing? And I can think of a bunch of people right now that has been hugely gifted for God and they've walked away from God and they're not using that gift for God anymore. I don't believe God gifted people for you to be good on your job. I believe he gifted you to be good on your job, but you, you should be good in your church first. Seek ye first the kingdom. Give that, king, that, that gift to the kingdom first, and then God will bless it everywhere else it's needed. So you need to understand your abilities, you need to understand your gifting, and you need to understand your limitations. You need to understand your set of values. You need to understand what your desires are before you can accurately arrive at a perspective of his vision for your life, for your ministry. Vision, listen to pastor. Vision is not an exercise in promoting yourself. It's not an exercise in promoting your dreams or your needs. It involves integrating your personal abilities and limitations within God's plan to accomplish what needs to be done and how it can be accomplished through his chosen person, which is you. We make an effort here at Grace Church, and we do it periodically, where we stand up here and we really compliment, we really applaud people in our church. We applaud the production booth, the praise team, the, 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 the lobby staff, our, our concierge, our greeters, we, our, our Sunday school teachers. God bless you people. Um, all of that, we do that, we do that, we do that because we believe that you have integrated your personal abilities and even your limitations and God's plans to accomplish what needs to be done through you. That's what he's done. And it should make you feel special that God has chosen to use you. So it's important that you 
can comprehend God, that you can know yourself. Number three, I've talked about this a little bit already, but it's imperative that you understand your circumstances. Dreams shun reality, but vision builds on it. I've seen so many people at Grace Church that came here broken, frustrated, even bitter, but buy into vision and what have you, and they learn that God hasn't thrown them out yet. There's people at work in Grace Church that have attended other churches that's been looked over for years, never asked to do anything. But just because it was X, Y, Z somewhere else doesn't mean it has to be that way here. So when you understand your circumstances, just by coming to Grace Church, the circumstance change is huge. Because we like to use as many people as we can. I introduced to you at least some of our JV team. We have some of them that's doing child care tonight. There's another class going on tonight. Uh, Grace Steps is going on tonight, and I applaud our, our middle school kids, and, and, and they're, they're amazing. God can take people from anywhere and everywhere, and the Bible is full of it, who has crazy, crazy, crazy circumstances and bad things that's happened to them, horrible things that's happened to them. We, we, we have people that's been abused in every way you can imagine, mental, emotional, physical, sexual, whatever, uh, in their childhood and what have you, but it does not, it does, you, you, you can understand that circumstance, but it does not have to exclude you from being a visionary person. God knows how to rebuild lives. So God's vision for any church, listen to pastor, God's vision for any church is sensitive to the operational environment he has called us to influence so God kind of, in my perspective, knew what Grace Church was going to become, say, 10 years ago. So he filled it up with people that could make the vision that he was going to give us happen. Does that make sense to anybody here tonight? He brought the right people. We have an amazing team of people here, amazing staff, uh, amazing leaders, all of that. God's vision for any church is sensitive to the operational environment. He knew how we, would, we, we could operate if he gave us vision. He knew how we could operate if he gave us the people that our vision could be fulfilled in. This is what God does. You want to know why all churches aren't the same? There's your answer. Every church has its own specific arm of ministry. Yes, it includes praying people through the Holy Ghost and baptizing people and teaching people, but they have a very unique approach to the different people that attend their church. Hope you understand what I'm saying. So while he will not limit our potential by suggesting that future reality cannot grow beyond past or present reality, he is the God of consistency and order, not a God of chaos and confusion. So we must have a firm grasp on existing and potential needs, on existing and potential opportunities, on personal potential, if you wish to absorb his vision for this church and your life. We must understand 
the circumstances that God has given us to operate in, to work in, to move in, and so on. It's vision. It's all a part of it. So when we lose, for example, a leadership person, when we lose a Sunday school teacher, when we lose someone out of the, ministry, uh, the, the, the praise team, when we lose someone out of the production booth, whatever it is, we immediately start looking for people to shuffle around a little bit and, and, and get people back into that ministry so we can continue forward, so we can continue to move in God's vision he has for this church and this work for the past seven or eight years that we've uh, introduced our vision to this church. So in using this definition, you recognize that it is a process of applied and pragmatic imagination. It is an articulated intention to do something significant and unique, creating a new reality that improves upon what exists today, a new world ordained by God for his people to bring life to. And this is what God has done here at Grace Church. He does it over and over and over and over. I'm already seeing this year our vision continues, but perhaps, um, what shall I say, the, the circumstances of our vision it's, we're, we're starting to kind of throw it in a little bit of a different direction. We want to focus on our, our college, high school, and, and middle school students. We want to focus on them a while. That's why I've asked them to be in here. We want to see them engaged. We want to see them loving God, loving church, loving vision, become visionary people themselves. Uh, if they want to be involved, we want to open that door. Um, it won't be the first time we've actually created a ministry for somebody we don't come up with ministries and look for somebody to fill it. We want somebody to come with a ministry. Okay, you start it, and then we'll start adding staff to you. Um, that's the way we like to do it here. But we have to understand that God's vision for any church is sensitive to the operational environment he's called us to influence. So in conclusion tonight, I feel like I've given you a lot of information. If you didn't grab it, please go back and watch it later where you can sit down and and uh, maybe take some notes or whatever. But in conclusion tonight, in the book, A Savior for All Seasons, William Barker relates a story of a bishop from the East Coast who many years ago paid a visit to a small mid Midwestern religious college. He stayed at the home of the college president who also served as professor of physics and chemistry. After dinner, the bishop declared that the millennium couldn't be far off because just about everything about nature had been discovered and all inventions had been conceived. The young college president politely disagreed and said he felt there would be many more discoveries. When the angered bishop challenged the president to name just one such invention, the president of the college replied that he was certain that within the next 50 years, men would be able to fly. The outraged bishop sputtered out nonsense. Only angels are intended to fly, he said. The bishop's name was Wright, and he had two boys at home who had proved to have greater vision than their father. And their names were Orville and Wilbur. And on December the 17th, 1903, at 10.35 a.m., Orville Wright secured his place in history by executing the first powered and sustained flight from level ground for 12 gravity-defying seconds. 
He flew 120 feet along the dunes of the Outer Banks of, Northern Car of North Carolina. So in the field of aviation, this historic event represents a beginning, but for Orville and Wilbur Wright, it was the end of a long and tedious journey, a journey initiated by a dream common to every little boy, perhaps even every child, and that is the desire to fly. But what most children abandoned to the domain of fantasy, Orville and Wilbur Wright seized upon as potential reality. They believed they could fly. More than that, they believed they should fly. So Wilbur described the birth of their vision this way. He said, our personal interest in it, aviation, dates from our childhood days. Late in the autumn of 1878, our dad came into the house one evening with some object partly concealed in his hands, and before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. And instead of falling to the floor as we expected, it flew across the room till it struck the ceiling where it fluttered a while and finally sank to the floor. It was a little toy known to scientists back then as a helicopter. But which we, with sublime disregard for science, at once dubbed it a bat. Not a ball bat, a bird bat. It was a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper, which form, formed two screws driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under torsion. A toy so delicate lasted only a short time in the hands of the small boys, but its memory was abiding. This childhood experience sparked in the boys an insatiable desire to fly. The only thing they lacked was the means. So they immediately went to work removing the obstacles that stood between them and their dream. They began building their own helicopters. In doing so, they stumbled upon the principles of physics that would pave the way to their first successful man flight. In short, they began to engineer their vision. They took the necessary steps to ensure that what they believed could be, would be. This process captures the essence of what I like to call visioneering. Visioneering is the course one follows to make dreams a reality. It is a process whereby ideas and convictions take on substance. As the story of the Wright brothers illustrates, visioneering is the engineering of a vision. If I were to boil it down to a formula, it would look something like this. Visioneering equals inspiration plus conviction plus action plus determination plus completion. It's visioneering. So I submit to you tonight that it's time for Grace Church to begin again. We're launching Sunday school Sunday morning and my expectations are running high. I believe it's going to open the door again for growth. I know this area delights in Sunday morning Sunday school. I believe it's going to help bring some enthusiasm and excitement back to our church. You've noticed we've been promoting some of our, our Sunday school and our classes on Sunday morning. I believe we have an opportunity. We have a choice. Preach to you the last two Sundays. We can make the best of this. Isn't it interesting that the right boys... Their first introduction to vision and, and building something that would fly was a helicopter because to this day, scientifically, they should not be able to fly. Very similar to the bumblebee, which scientifically should not be able to fly, but it does. 
So the pursuit of the birth of your vision cannot wait another day. It must begin now. And much like the Wright brothers, their first flight was not in a Boeing 747. It was in a very crudely constructed airplane that probably only the two of them would have even gotten in it to fly anywhere, the truth be known, because nobody really trusted none of that. But they defied all the odds, including their dad. In Grace Church, we have an opportunity and we have a choice. We can become visionary people again and launch God's purpose in our life like we never have or we can sit around twiddling our thumbs and watch God pass us up and land somewhere down the street and do something mighty with him. My choice tonight is to do what God wants us to do and to be what God wants us to be. So perhaps it would be advantageous for everyone here tonight to even write down your personal vision for you and your family. What do you see yourself doing and becoming in the next year? What do you see yourself doing and becoming in the next two years, three years? What do you want to become for the kingdom of God? I want to ask our young people that question tonight. What do you see yourself doing this time next year in church? Anything? Do you have a vision? I envision some of our young people playing some of these keyboard instruments and even the drums. I envision so many back there in the production booth that none of the, uh, the older adult people will even sit back there. They'll just manage. Or you can choose to just sit on the chair and succumb to peer pressure and somebody might laugh at you if you step up and do something amazing for Jesus and twiddle your thumbs and not do anything. You have the opportunity, as I preached two Sundays ago, and as I preached this past Sunday, you have the choice. It's all yours. You could be a leader, a teacher, a singer, a soul winner, an intercessor, whatever it is. It is essential that you know what the qualifications it requires. It requires. Then count the cost and prepare for the incredible journey. Brother Alexander asked, you all remember him. We had been here a year, celebrated our one year pastoral anniversary and he came and slapped me in the arm, which was his custom back then, just to backhand you upside the arm. Say, what did you see when you pulled up here a year ago? Like, do you have time? I'll be honest with you. My vision back then was very fuzzy. And perhaps a more quality answer that I could have given him that day completely caught me off guard. Maybe I didn't know in totality what my vision was, but I could tell you what my vision wasn't. And it was not pastoring that church and keeping it like it was for the next 25 years. That was not my vision. I wanted to grow it, and I wanted it to be big. At that time, I didn't know how it was going to happen. There's folks here tonight. Amy was there in most of those days. Oh, my goodness. At the struggles, and for 15, 16 years, we sat at the corner of Groom and McHugh Road on one acre of land. And I preached revival and vision until sometimes I got sick of hearing it because our circumstances would not allow us to grow 
any, hardly any bigger than what we were. And I'm like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And look what God did. Well, if he did it from there to here, what could he do from here to the next place? If, if we choose to be visionary people. I'll continue this again next week. I welcome our students, our children in here. I hope our parents will keep coming on Wednesday night because I want you to hear the word of God. I'm really wanting to pour myself into our church over the next number of Wednesday nights, and we'll see what happens. But right now we have an opportunity. Would you stand with me tonight? We have an opportunity to see this church grow again. I look at our Sunday morning crowds and we're down maybe 30, 40 people as to what we were before COVID. I have reminded myself, Sister Landry, when you send out the attendance record, when we had 175 on a certain, certain Sunday to get the blues and wine, and then I remind myself of how many UPC churches would love to have that many on Sunday. But even though I'm comforted a little bit with those thoughts and those even words when they're spoken it still don't comfort me enough to want to stay with 175 on Sunday morning. I still like to see 300 people in here every Sunday. I'd like to see us get so packed out we have to go to two services on Sunday. Maybe you don't. Maybe that's why we're not growing. We ain't doing that, Brother Murphy. I mean, I ain't God will provide the people. Don't panic. He always does. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. So I want us to pray before we dismiss tonight that God would take us all to our potential. There's people here tonight that like to play around the world and you want to do this, you want to do that, and the kingdom is not really on the front burner of uh, your priority list if you'd make it that way life would get a whole lot better for you but but um if, if everybody that would if you just push the kingdom to the front of your life and say god we're going to do this no matter what it takes i believe you'll have people in church with you in the next six months you'd have never dreamed they'd be here one of them may even be your spouse some of them may be your kids but it's just making the right choice and taking advantage of the opportunity can we pray right now jesus we come to you right now You know the desire of our heart, and we try to be very practical. We try to be feasible. We try to do what's doable. We want to dream the most possible dream. We know you can do all things. But you have our personalities, our limitations, and what have you, and you're very patient with us. But I pray tonight that everyone here, everybody in, on campus, everybody watching live stream tonight would open their mind, their heart wide open. And say, God, whatever it is you want to do with me, I'm open to it. I'll be more than I've ever been. I'll do more than I've ever done. I'll be what you want me to be to my fullest extent, to my fullest potential. I'll be what you want me to be. And I pray, God, that you would grab this church by the hand and lead us quickly into a future of growth and expansion, of just more anointing, more fervency, more passion. All of that being said, that we could expand but that we could multiply ourselves into one person right after another and one person right after another and even more people until your house is full, until your house is full. I pray, God, for anointing. I pray for inspiration. I pray for guidance. 
And I pray, God, that you would help us all to stay determined. We're going to do this in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being here. I deeply, deeply appreciate seeing all of you. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning. Come out with your mind and hearts open to see what God's going to do. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Shout.